Um, I'm going to read a scripture and I'm going to come back to it. So, John 3, 8. It says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So, I was uh, laying down next to Grace um, this week. And it was her first day of school the next day. And she's going to junior high. Man. And I was asking her if she was more nervous or more excited. And she was like, I'm more excited. I was like, okay. Um, But let me tell you something about Grace. She, um, if I say to her, man, you're growing up, she hates that. She wants to remain a kid for the rest of her life. It really, really, like genuinely, that is her desire. Uh, she does not like the idea of growing up. She likes the idea of being a kid. And as a dad, I look at the little girl who is now tall and beautiful and graceful, like a little bit nervous about my future. Um, but I'm I'm clinging to like the 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 way things are because I I love it right I love still that she wants me to like lay down and sit next to with her on the bed and talk with her and so um, yeah I I cling to those moments in fact I think I might want her to be like Wendy uh, I think I might want her to be like Wendy and the Lost Boys where they just go on forever and ever being a kid. And that's sort of like how she, that's sort of how she uh, imagines herself. And so I just, um, I don't know. How many of you find yourself clinging to life sometimes? And you're clinging to what you've, what you've built. And I feel like I'm often approaching life like Legos, it's like God has given me all these pieces and I'm trying to piece them together and build something and I move these pieces around to be my beautiful masterpiece. And, and Grace actually once, uh, she built a little Lego masterpiece that she called, what does she call that thing? Gosh. Anyway, it was something like the the land of paradise or something like this. But I can remember building these building these things. And I think what happens, and this is sort of like part two of last week, but I think what happens oftentimes is that we we've we have these things that we think that we're building in our life and we have the our jobs and our kids and our schedules and the, all the things that bring us joy and fullness and happiness. And we're like, okay, we're going to protect all this. We've built all this for God, and now we're going to protect it. We're going to cling to it. And, and as a church, we, uh, we talk a lot about this word fullness. And that comes from Colossians, you know, says we proclaim him admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom so that we may present Every person complete in Christ. For this purpose, I also strive, labor, striving according to his power which works mightily within me. So Paul's saying, like, I, my goal, my aim is to present every person completely full. Um, but Jesus often has a different definition of what fullness 
or completion is than we do. Um, so I want to read back now for, at my verse in John, John 3, 1 through 9. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. How many of you have ever read this passage? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and a spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it is where it comes from or where it is going, so it is with everyone who is born with a spirit. And Nicodemus, still confused and bewildered, says, how can this be? How can this be? Now, Jesus goes on to quasi-answer his question. Jesus hardly ever directly answers a question. We won't cover that part. I want to pause, and I want to talk. I want to give a little bit of context for Nicodemus. So, give a little context for this. I have a friend who has become a business mentor of mine, and he is a Jewish, uh, he, he went to rabbi school, he's a business person now, but he's technically a Jewish rabbi. And so, um, he's, it's funny, like, being, um, you know, talking with him and being mentored by him, because, like, I will log on to a Zoom call, he's not from around here, and he'll be there, you know, with his kippah, and his, or did I pronounce that correct? And the zit zit that, you know, that they wear. And he has a huge beard. And he just looks like straight up like Samuel out of the Bible. And, um, and he's always actually, well, not always, sometimes on the Zoom call, he will have a cigar that he's clinging to, clinging to. But the funny thing is, he's, he's never smoking the cigar. So this whole picture of this man with just this massive beard and you know, this, un, you know, this whole thing going on and his cigar, it's, it's fairly hilarious. And so um, he, I was asking him, I was like, why do you always have the cigar? You're never s- smoking the cigar on the screen. He was like, well, he was like, um, if I were to smoke a cigar more than more than once a week, then I would be a smoker. And my wife cannot tolerate having a smoker in her home. So, I, he was like, I romance the cigars for a little while before I smoke them on, on Friday. I was like, wow, okay. And so, it just adds to this mystique of, the, of this man. And, and um, I, I have gotten the chance to talk to him about Torah and, and you know, like about how things apply um, in terms of Scripture in their, um, you know, in terms of being a business person. And it's un- it blows my mind. Like, as Christians, we don't even, like, we don't study on that level even <laughs> anywhere remotely close. And so, like, when you, he, when you go to rabbi school, most of the time it's about five years. I think he went for significantly longer because he went to some other sort of after elements to it. And... 
Um, but when they study, like he was telling me, he was like, you guys, you know, you know, you study, like, I was like, felt like, he might as well just say Gentile. But uh, <laughs> when you study, like, you get summer, you get, you know, spring break, you get all this stuff. We study year-round, except for feasts, and we might study from 7 in the morning to 9 at night, some night. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, okay. And, and so there is, I think it's called, what's the word? I wrote it down, yeshiva. Yeshiva is the word of the school that they go through. And it's extraordinarily challenging. Like, it challenges you from a litigious perspective, from a legal perspective, from a, like, an abstract. It's, it's an ext- extremely difficult process to go to. And it takes uh, a long time to, to do it. And, you know... And so you got this stoic, super wise-looking person. So I want you to take you back to Nicodemus. You can imagine Nicodemus. How many of you have watched The Chosen? Um, and Nicodemus is like my favorite character in The Chosen. But you can imagine Nicodemus like this man. He spent his entire life since he was a little boy studying and building towards this place of leadership and He's coming to Jesus in the night. This, this man who's full of wisdom, he's climbed the ladder like for years, decades upon decades, and he's coming to him with some questions. And so I want to look at their interaction again as you think about how much he, he must have gone through to get to where he was going because he was a ruling member of the council. It says, now there was a Pharisee named, man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So I want to tell you something really quick about him saying, Rabbi. This is really interesting, because like the, the Hebrews really valued the process and still value the process that it takes to get through yeshiva, to get through the school, to, to study, and to de- devote yourself for decades and decades of leadership, they really value the process that it takes to become rabbi. And so when Nicodemus comes to him in the dead of the night and he says, Rabbi, like this is not, like for us, we're just like, oh yeah, Jesus, rabbi. Like we just miss that. This is an incredible like moment of honor, where he's saying to him. Now, I think there's two reasons that he calls him rabbi. But the first is that he's honoring him. Like, you don't hear the other people in the middle of the day calling Jesus rabbi. Nicodemus calls him rabbi. But here's the second reason that I think that maybe Nicodemus is also calling him rabbi. Is that he's, he's trying to, in the best way he knows, to acknowledge him as a part of the structure that he's a part of. As a part of the lineage that he himself um, is a part of. It, it very well could be, um, from different commentaries I've read, it very well could be that Nicodemus is not only honoring Jesus, but he's kind of trying to affirm, his affirmation of Jesus is kind of like an affirmation of himself. He was like, Rabbi, we're, you know, we're both rabbis. Um, we often try to conceptualize God 
in light of our own aspirations. And it is as if that we try to affirm our, ourselves and our past as we affirm God. Um, so Jesus, won't go down the rabbit hole, but Jesus gives Nicodemus, in response to this, Jesus gives Nicodemus two building pictures that build upon each other to speak to the truth that he is seeking. The truth that he is seeking at night. So I want, to, I want to look at the first one. The first one, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Sometimes we've read a scripture so many times, we've heard it so many times, that we miss its power. When you need to think all the, the pictures that we're drawing from now, that this is a man, here's a member of the Jewish ruling council who had been through yeshiva, who had studied Torah his entire life. Probably an, an old man who had climbed the ranks of the Sanhedrin. And Jesus tells him, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you become new. Everything you've built, all the strength, all the wisdom, all the intelligence, all the status, everything that you have accumulated to establish your life in God, you can't even see it unless you become born again. Think about what Jesus is telling him. To be born again in the Spirit is not just simply to pray some magic dust prayer. Jesus, come into my life. It is to become completely broken and completely new. To leave behind everything that that, that strengthens me apart from God and to come into Him. Now I can remember, I've shared this before, I can remember as a kid, I would, we had church, we would have altar calls and I would always weep when people would come to the front and people would come to the front to repent of their weaknesses. And like, I remember like if I had a bad week, I was thinking my pastor must know my sin. Like he like telepathically, now that I'm thinking, he probably knows that I'm thinking that he's thinking about it. Like, you know, like this, you're like, ah, like, you know, don't look at me. I hide over here in the corner. How many ever thought this before? I'm, tell me I'm not the only one. <laughs> Zane. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm, I realized this probably a year or two ago, and I said this in a sermon, but more often than Jesus calling people to leave behind their weakness, Jesus called people to repent and leave behind their strength. Like we, we should have been doing altar calls where everybody comes down and leave whatever you're good at. <laughs> like, 
I just don't think we get the audacity of what Jesus is saying. Everything that you know, you can't even see what I'm doing unless you become new. Alright, second picture he gives Nico. Because it's too long to say Nicodemus. And also we have a Nico here in Dallas managing our beloved Mavs. Amen. John 3, 5-8, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to Spirit and... and sorry, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. That would be not correct. The flesh gives birth to Spirit. Um, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus gives him picture number one, which is you can't even see unless you've been born again. And then, on top of that, to confuse this man a little more, he says, it is like the wind. (laughs) You do not know where it is coming from or where it is going. I want us to get this in our mind that those who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. I guess to be more precise, the Spirit is the wind, and we're more like a leaf blowing in the wind. But I often, like I did when I was sitting there reminiscing over my daughter's younger years, I often fall into this deception that my role is to craft a well-built life on the truths of the kingdom, and that is fullness. For me to get all the Legos in the right pieces. Yet Jesus says, those that are born of the Spirit are like those moved by the wind. I, I, can, I remember years ago, I was down at Common Desk, uh, co-working space in Deep Ellum, and I would go on Saturday nights to prepare sermons. And normally I'm the only one except for one other guy. And this guy became my friend, and he's a really good guy, he, he, but he was going through a hard time at that point in life. And so every night, Saturday night for two months, you know, he would uh, come and I would be there to prepare a sermon and I would not prepare a sermon because I would talk to my friend through whatever he was, he was going through. And my sermons were less good during that time. But that's okay. Um, the interesting thing is that, that interactions actually led to... I don't even, it is not exaggeration, an infinite number of things that have produced fruitfulness in my life, including the career path that I'm, right, that I'm on and many of the friends that God opened doors with. Those conversations became like one of the critical things that God was doing. And to me, they were interruptions. But like, we aren't Lego builders. We're like, we're supposed to be like the wind. I, I was at this coffee shop yesterday and I sat down to work on my sermon Saturday. 
And it was me and the barista. And this guy starts talking to me. And I start to like look for the, you know, but then I, we, just, we just start interacting and then never prepared the sermon. And so, but like God, like, which is why I had to wake up at 5.30 this morning. Um, but God, like, that is the way He works. He works with interruptions. He works often more in, our inter- in the interruptions than in our plans. Now, if we, keep, if we keep reading this passage, we get to John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I want to pause and I want to talk about what I believe eternal life actually is. Now, one side of this, I was yesterday with such a gift. I got to go to Chris's dad's funeral, Carl Williams. And I got to hear story after story of a life well lived, of a life that was lived for the gospel. And I got to celebrate a, a saint that went on to be in glory with Jesus in a unique and special way. But I think when we think about what it means to be born again, we often relegate it to this prayer that we prayed that clips us the ticket into heaven. But, but I think when Jesus talks about eternal life, He's talking about now. He's talking about what John 10.10 10 says, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they have made life and have it to the fullness. But what happens when we read this text is that we exclusively interpret life abundantly and life to the fullness is God blessing all that we're building. Like, oh, you are definitely moving me up in the ranks in my job. I mean, I know that God works that way. Don't get me wrong. I know that God works in every aspect of our life. But we forget that we're to be like the wind. Is sometimes we show up to prepare sermons and God has people to talk to us. What we, what we often do when we get into the build and protect mode is that we build idols of our ideals and they replace our daily need to trust in Him. We build our rhythms our structures, our ambitions, our affirmations, even our devotion time with God. And we're like, look at this thing. This is, this is land of paradise Legos. I got the prayer life rocking. The, you know, I'm strutting into my job right now. Like, I don't know, dad of the week. I, I, I don't know like what it is. But we, but we start to think we, we've got it figured out. And God's not looking for us to build a castle and defend it. He's looking for us to be like leaves in the wind. Spirit people are wind people. Every day can be a disruption. We don't move life with all of our might. We need to be moved by the Spirit within life. Do not idolize the things you are building, the job you are working, the schedule you are creating, the perfect spiritual rhythms that you're participating in with God. 
We, we sometimes think fullness and maturity is an impenetrable castle, but it's like a fragile leaf that's willing to be blown by the breath of God. And as a church, I want us to be spirit people. This doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pray in tongues 72 hours a day. My meemaw might have prayed in tongues 72 hours a day. There's not even 72 hours in the day, so she found a way to do that. Um... And that is part of it. But it looks like being accessible to God everywhere we go. Sometimes I have allowed my apathy and my lack of faith to masquerade as wisdom that's protecting me and helping me to build a strong foundation. Man, I am so wise. But I'm not like the leaf anymore. So, I'd written like a number of examples of what it would be like on the, to finish the sermon out perfectly. Um, I wrote a bunch of examples of what it would be like to be like a leaf in the wind. But I felt like God told me to scrap all that and to ask you to let the Holy Spirit to provoke your imagination to what it looks like to be like the wind. I know the Spirit is the wind, but just go with me with the phrase, to be like the wind. And so I want, us to, I want us to close our eyes, and I want the Holy Spirit just to work in our own imagination what it looks like to be a leaf trusting the wind. Maybe there's things you're clinging to. As soon as I closed my eyes, the Lord put his finger on one thing that instantly made me feel, oh my gosh, Lord, don't poke on that one. It was like, oh no, that's kind of scary. God loves to, to expose to us the insecure and vulnerable places so that we can trust in him. 
Maybe you need to go home and take more time to do this. I don't know. But just, I want this sort of be like the wind to be in your imagination and in your consciousness, whatever. Um, but let me give you an example. Because I am going to give one example. And it fits with something we're doing. Um, a couple years ago, Zane, Zane and I had talked about we want to, sh to, as a community, strategically move towards generosity passion, serving people. And so we had started this process with this Refugee Services of Texas to like, and we were like, we had this planned out like six months in advance. We're going to roll this into the church right now, this time. And and we stopped hearing from this organization and, and there was legislative stuff that cut down the number of refugees that we were receiving. And then there was COVID. And then we were just like, well, guess that was not God's plan. And so this is this is last week as the things with Afghanistan had taken place. We got a call and um, about you know Afghan refugees that that need assistance being received and welcomed um, as they're fleeing the place that that they've been. And we were just like, okay, let's create a team and and just respond because sometimes like we put, we build and we plan and we labor. But but you don't know, like, that may go away, and years down the road, God may hit you just boom, like, like, like the wind. And what we have to do is to be ready to respond to the wind. Um, I, actually, why don't you come talk about it for a second? Um, I was kind of weird transition, but um, why don't you talk about what we're doing? Yeah, so we are going to be working um, with a, an organization called For the Nations, um, and they basically um, they provide welcome teams and support to Refugee Services of Texas. And so I had actually gone I had actually gone through all of Refugee Services of Texas training a couple of years ago uh, when we were originally going to do this. And uh, anyway, so um, since COVID. Well, it's not definitely not over, but since COVID kind of like died down a little bit, at least in that lull, it's kind of come back now. But um, in, in the lull there, and um, and along with the stoppage of refugees coming into our country um, being halted, I can't talk. Basically, they made it where refugees couldn't come into our country, and now they're allowing them to come again to to a greater degree. That's what I'm trying to say. So um, I, I have reached back out to, to For the Nations, and they told me the other day, they're like, all right, we're really like running full force now because of the Taliban invasion of Afghanistan. They're, they just have so many uh, refugees that are coming over, and a, a lot of them are coming to Texas. And so um, basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to be forming a team of people who want to reach out and help a family of refugees. Now, we won't know anything about them uh, until they get here and we get assigned. It may or may not be someone from Afghanistan, although that is a very large percentage of what they're getting right now. Um, and what we'll do is our team will bef we'll have about a month uh, from kind of getting notice until they arrive on a plane. And so during that month, we will collect um, furniture to furnish an apartment. Uh, that is the right size for their family, and we will collect groceries. Um, it's, like, it's kind of cool. Like they even give you 
They'll even kind of tell you where the people are coming from and suggest certain groceries to buy that would make them comfortable, they'd be used to cooking with, stuff like that. Um, we'll have some of our, we'll have a couple of our people go pick them up at the airport. Likely we'll have a meal ready for them whenever they arrive, bring them back, and maybe a, maybe a couple of our people can hang out with them for the night that they arrive. We don't want to bombard them. Um, but basically, we're going to have a team of, let's say, 15 people or something like that per family, um, if, if we keep going with this, to where... Um, basically you're going to just be their friends. <laughs> that's that's really the assignment is like be their friends. So um, some of them may or may not know English and that presents an extra challenge, but it also gives us the extra um, opportunity to help them learn English better, um, to find things that they need like medical care, uh, like uh, schooling, like um, finding job opportunities, um, getting social security cards. I mean, there are so many things whenever these people just come into a new country and a culture that they've never been part of and maybe a language that they don't speak that you can imagine that could be a really difficult uh, moment in life. And so basically it's just an opportunity to reach out and befriend these people and see what we can do to help them. And so, um, and th they, basically it's a two to three month commitment. Um, I I'm gonna say it's a three month commitment, one before they get here two after they get here, but their For the Nation's hope is really that, you know, maybe one or two people in the group will become really good friends with the family and even continue being friends with them past this commitment, potentially, um, and even if that means you didn't, you know, join the next welcome team, that you'd be continuing on with the relationship um, and just helping them, um, and I think that that's, that kind of generosity is really you know, what we've been looking for opportunities to do is just to reach out to people that are in a broken situation and they don't necessarily have the way to fix it themselves either, you know. And so all we all we have um, a lot of times is just the love we can give and the time we can give. And so this is an opportunity to do that. So if you are interested in being on the first team that we're, that we're starting, it's going to start within the next few weeks. Um, and we will have uh, we will have a couple training times. I'm talking to them about when it's going to be. I think it might be, we might actually even just schedule a couple training times right after church just to make it really simple for people to stay around at lunchtime and have training. But anyway, if you are interested in that, then please talk to me. Um, I've already had quite a few, several people reach out and talk to me about wanting to help with it, and we can use all the help we can get. So That's good. Um, why don't we come and grab the elements and come back to our seats?
I wasn't going to come up here, but the wind blew me up here. <laughs> awfully windy. Um, so this morning, uh, my three-year-old son, Preston, was like, Mama, let's roll down the windows. And I'm like, no, way too windy. Like, just this morning. And, and then Carson asks, what makes the wind blow? And, and Russell's like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> uh, and I'm thinking, well, what would I say? Like, scientifically, you know, molecules, the air is made up of this, and then the matter pushes it, and then the electricity. And I'm just thinking of all these things. And obviously, today we're talking about the Holy Spirit and, the, you know, to be like the wind. And every, it goes against everything that makes me feel secure <laughs> um, and happy. And I've built these um, policies and procedures and these uh, strategies for my life that make me feel really good and, like, proud. Um, you know, schedules and all the things. Um, and there's good with that, uh, but I can go all or nothing in most things in my life. Like, it's either all or nothing, or I give up. You know, if I don't, if I'm not able to commit to all of it, like a 75 hard or whatever it might be, it's like, no. So the Lord was speaking to me about it and, you know, just roll down my windows. You know, just roll them down a little bit. You know, just see what it feels like, just to try it. And, and that's what I want, what I desire to be like. Um, but I just get so wrapped up in trying to control and manage and instead of like release and just allow the Lord to be that guide, you know, just finding balance in it, you know, because I want to, I want, I want that, but I also know he's given me gifts and tools, but just, I don't really have another point other than to just share that because I know I'm not the only one who has that mind that doesn't stop. I don't, my mind never stops and it can be hard for me to hear or feel the wind in those moments. And so I just want to encourage y'all to roll your windows down <laughs> just a little. So when he said to like close our eyes and uh, think about the things, like he went to something that should be changed and I got like this super picture of like how the wind blows, right? And so I, you know, being the person that I am, I like visual things. So obviously I go to the Lion King. Um, and so I think of whenever the wind like takes those little particles and it goes to Rafiki and he just stirs it and he goes, Simba, he's alive, you know? And like, that's the moment that I got. And I think, man, sometimes we need other people around us to remind us that we are still alive right? Like the wind blows. We can allow the, the window to go down and the wind to blow, but we have a community around us to remind us, you are alive. But seriously, like who, who needs that today? Like you are not dead. You are breathing the breath of God, the pneuma, the spirit of God. You are alive. Remember who you are. All right. <laughs> Man, I love our church. <laughs> Kayla, Brittany, those were both really good. Um, thank you for being vulnerable, too. Um, we all have our control things. So let's be reminded when we take these that Jesus says that, um, you know, 
that he lives off every word that proceeds from his Father. That's his bread. His bread is every word. It's nothing else can nourish you. Nothing else can bring you fullness. Nothing you can create or build or do or scheme, but his words bring you life. Lord, we thank you. We lift this as a, as a remembrance and a sign of our proclamation of who you are. And so we thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus paid for. I pray that you would enable us to live by the wind of your spirit, to live um, fully in your presence and to trust you and to live by your words. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You may receive. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, let me say thank you. Mm. Um, so real quick, a couple announcements before you, before we pray for Zane. Um, we uh, this next week, correct? This next week. For Zoom, for in person, we are doing a service. I hate the word vision, so I don't know what to call it. We're giving you an update. Um, we're doing an update for fall. Um, and so we are going to give a sort of trajectory of what this fall will look like in terms of generosity, in terms of what's going on. And so we're trying to encourage as many people to be here or on Zoom next week. I'm going to give a fall update. Um, please. Be mindful of that, and that'll happen next week. And then the second announcement is that we are doing, I've talked about this enough times, so I won't give an elaborate announcement. We are doing our business incubator, which is in the fall, which starts the first week of October. And our goal with that is to help people who need the resources and need the community to help them move forward in whatever they're either starting or have already started or wanting to start from a business perspective. This is our way of taking our gifts. We've got a lot of entrepreneurs here. Taking our gifts as a community and helping people to move forward. And I think our hope for this time is that people will find a relationship with somebody. They don't start a business, that's fine. They have to have, find a relationship with somebody. And so we have actually had one person apply already who's not from the church. And so I would just encourage you, if you know people who want to start businesses, who have started a business and just need that relational resource, please tell them about this. We have a website. You can, you know, Andrea will text that out at the end of service. And this Wednesday at noon, I am doing a 20-minute call that I'm trying to get anybody who wants to be a part of this. If you're a business leader in the community, you want to be... Please, like I'm doing, I'm making it really quick. Zoom call for 20 minutes, noon to 12:20. We will talk about what's going to be happening. So, um, Susanna, take us home. We are so grateful that we have so many entrepreneurs in our church. I'm inspired. So we have the privilege of both of our pastors being business owners. So that brings us to Zane and Tiffany, his wife, and their new assistant business builder. <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> Somebody got special treatment. 
I looked up the meaning of your name. One of the meanings said God's gracious gift. And I was thinking of you. I know just this morning, even in prayer, God was just highlighting just the concept of home and of all the securities that could be shifted in a life. Like home is just, it's home-based, like it's security. And just the gift that you give and that and how you settle people. And I think that really is just a gift of grace for people that are in transition. So I love that. So tell us kind of what your services are in regards to real estate and then how we can be praying for you. All right. Um, well, there's kind of two sides to what we do now. Um, one of them is that I'm, I guess you'd say, more a traditional realtor um, where I'm helping people buy and sell. So if anyone needs help buying or selling a house or knows someone who does, then we, we help people do that. And we just try to, um, you know, help people make wise decisions, um, look at houses in, in wise ways, and, uh, and negotiate the right deal for, for their family. Um, and I mean, I think I've helped half of you in here buy a house or something. <laughs> but um, anyway, but uh, the other side of what we have been doing the last couple years is investing. And so um, a lot of times we'll buy houses and... Um, Either we either remodel them and sell them, or um, we're starting to look at keeping more of them as rental properties. Um, and that's that's generally what we do. And so this year, um, we had more of the kind of flip projects going on. And so Tiffany ended up she was she's been a teacher for the past several years. And so um, so anyway, so she stopped teaching, and she's now uh, just come on board to help manage the, the flips, designing things, uh, keeping us on schedule with things, and so it was just getting too much for me to handle by myself, and we decided uh, we needed someone else, so uh, so we've brought Bree on, and she's going to be running a lot of our admin stuff, um, some marketing stuff. I, here's the deal about our business. It has been absolutely incredible because... We've really been really blessed with growth, but we've done like it feels like we've done nothing to earn it or find it. Like we've done no marketing ever. Like if you go if you go look at my Facebook page, I think for a couple of months I had a I had a guy run some uh, social media for me just because I never did it, and he did it for a couple months, and then that kind of fell off, and I was like, well, whatever. Okay, <laughs> God will keep bringing the deals because because um, we've never manufactured them. We just trust the Lord and he just brings people and uh, we try to be honest and and uh, do right by people and they send more people so it's been awesome I think um, you know this year like once again with no advertising I think this year we've been able to buy how many houses seven I think we've I think we've bought seven houses this year and like those are all like really hard to get leads that have just that have just miraculously come in this market I know a lot of people who do what we do and they're having a lot of trouble to get a house so um, so very blessed and grateful and um, I guess what you can be praying for is that um, we will um, I guess I would say that we what we want is a steady system of leads because right now it's been I'm really grateful that God's always just brought it and that we've been able to count on it. But I also don't want to be unwise in our business and not set up systems that that um, make it more likely for everything to keep con to continue. And so for us to just have wisdom in setting up the right systems, making the right relationships, 
and uh, that our new little team would just kind of work synergistically to to be a system that um, is fruitful and uh, that we can hopefully be more and more generous out of what comes from the business. So, All right, if you know him, you want to, yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, obviously, I've said many kind things about Zane and Tiffany, but the one thing I really appreciate, I've gotten to be on all the inner dialogues, is just the devotion to radical integrity. I really appreciate that about you, and I've seen that you're, pursuit of that and I'm just so grateful for your pursuit of radical integrity in business so yeah y'all come on if you want to if you want to pray over and father I thank you so very much um just for how he shared his testimony today and how you even brought him into this field in this industry lord how you have really just blown your wind in this entire design of Zane Sipes real estate and so lord we thank you that you have brought his wife alongside him Thank you that you've brought along Bree. None of this is coincidence. Lord, we thank you that you've brought so much blessing that there's more to manage. And so we thank you that it has been like the wind. It has been you just bringing it about. And so Lord, we thank you that you've also just given them the capacity for creating systems that keep that manageable and keep it in order and keep it um, just an honoring process for everyone involved. So there's a good communication and everything that they need. So Lord, we pray that there would just be a divine cohesiveness among these three and any that you bring along your team for the next year. And Lord, I thank you for your favor and your blessing and community and just the way that they have really just brought peace to people's lives and transition, especially right now. That transition is often difficult for timing because of real estate moving so fast. So I just pray that there would just be creative ideas, joy in the process, um, and they would be able to laugh at themselves when things don't go right, um, and just really, uh, just delight in you in this process and the business that you've given them. In Jesus' name, we just bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Join me in the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. I believe you're dismissed. Hey, hold on one second. Hold on. Hold on, one second. One more thing. My friend Vito here, he just said he wanted to share something, and so he's my friend, so I'm saying you can share something. <laughs> I, I know the wind was blowing y'all out of here, but <laughs> the wind blow me up here. And I really want to thank y'all for, for having me come here today. You guys just don't know what this did for me today, because... Uh, I want to be. I'm going to be around for y'all to, to to see more because it's more happening, and uh, just a little bit to let you guys know 
When I was 15 years old, I was falsely accused of a murder that I didn't commit, and I was sent to prison for 21 years. And uh, upon me getting out, a friend of mine, he helped me. And going in prison for something like that, that was real hard for me. I was real bitter, real mad, real angry. And uh, I, but I, I, God never left me. He never, he out through the whole thing. I'm talking about from point A to point Z. God was there with me from the point, from from all, even in my anger, my madness. God was showing me because I I would I would say you know I got a bad deal, but. I, I had to deal with what was going on at that time, and it was stuff study coming to me, study coming to me. And God was studying, letting me know that, man, just stand back. I got you. I got you. And and I it wasn't because I was a bad person. I mean, I was seeing other people, stuff happening to them. And I, I was like, God, that dude is three times bigger than me, and I'm little. So like, well, I know people do, do me wrong, but God had me. But I said all that to say, once I got released, you know, I'm I'm in the process of being exonerated right now. God is God is really he, he, he's showing up. And and but you know, just like you said, you know, you 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 plan, you think you want to have this security on all this stuff. And I I was blessed to get married when I got out. My wife, she had four daughters and and we have grandkids now, but my daughters, they not my biological daughters, but they my kids and they love me and I love them. And uh but it's not easy. Like 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 what you said about the about the trying to have everything right, you know. And so here I am, I'm planning for the future. And I'm 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 want my family to say, Hey man, we gotta tighten up. We gotta do this, we gotta be like this, we gotta we gotta hey, we gotta start doing this. We got and you know, they so used to doing stuff, so they kinda like but and and in my mind I'm saying, Hey, what 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 God, what's up? What what what's going on? I don't wanna leave my family behind. But I know I'm my it's like a call on my life right now and it's like I'm planning, but I really just need to go with the wind. Like like you like you said, because God blessed me with that family, and I know that was that was a blessing. Like, I, 21 years, I, I missed having kids. I missed building a family, but this family loves me unconditionally, you know, just like I built that family. You know, a lot of people, they probably, like my family, probably look like, them ain't your kids. You know, I know they probably think, say stuff, but they don't say it. But in their mind, I know my mom probably wanted me to give her uh, a grandchild, you know, but... God really, you know, in my head, I have to then just seeing all you guys with your family and stuff I heard, it really is inspirational. It's, it's, that's why I know I'm in the right place this morning. God sent me to the right place. The song about angry man, you know, even though I'm I'm happy, things are going for me, still in, the, in the, I still be coming off a little angry, you know, like blaming my wife for Stuff I'm going, stuff stuff I done been through. Let's blame. my wife say I blame for everything, you know. And then just me going to prison, somebody didn't do. That's not good to be blamed for stuff like that because it's not her fault. And I just really appreciate you guys. Though. I really do. I'm 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 serious, man. I do, and I will be back. And I'm gonna get my family in here too. <laughs>
Can we pray for him? This is his story is beyond. I can't explain all of it. Beyond comprehension. He's the youngest. Correct me if I'm wrong. The youngest person in Texas history to be wrongfully convicted life in prison, a murder, and he is on the edge of being exonerated. This is like there's lots of other details to this story that are that I'm leaving out. But he's on the and I just want us to pray for him that God would just seal the final deal. And so if you just extend your hands to Vito, Lord, we just we just pray for your mercy and God exactly um, what your scripture says. We pray that you would restore the years that the locust stole, God. And we pray that you give him a double portion of your presence and your blessing and your glory. And I pray that you would bless his family. You would bless his life, God. God, I pray that you would establish him as a firm vine planted in the ground, God. I thank you that as Isaiah 61 says, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the captives, to those who are in prison, and that you will plant them like living oaks in the ground that will reflect your righteousness and your grace. God, that is what you're going to do in Vito's life, God. Make him an oak of righteousness for his family and for his community, and we pray for his full exoneration. In Jesus' name, may it be done. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man.